Welcome to Mind in the Scoom, Spooky Season Edition. Welcome back to Mind in the Scoom! Alright guys, I am your host as always, Britt. If you're new here, we're a podcast that covers the trippy true crime and wonders of life. Thank you for joining And enough with the introductions, though. I wanted to cover this guy for Halloween because I've noticed a bunch of people on social media lately idolizing and taking it to the point where people want to dress up as him. And I know Halloween just passed and everything, but just for future reference, please don't dress up as real-life serial killers for Halloween or at any point in your life, honestly. Um, it's just, it's it's a little different to do that. Um, I cannot say enough how sick and demented this man was. I don't care how his childhood was. I don't care whether he was an alcoholic. This was like a real-life man, dead-ass human being. Well, kind of. I, I would say he's probably partially not I don't know like with all the shit he did oh my god I would I don't know if I could count him as human but uh this is this is honestly it's crazy to me that people are cute because I remember trick-or-treating and shit and nobody nobody ever went out as like fucking Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer or fucking John Wayne Gacy you know what I mean Or Richard Ramirez. Like, that's... People think because this shit is on American Horror Story that it's just characters, but they're, like, actual people that did actual fucked up shit in real life. So, it's it's people that you shouldn't look at and go, Huh, I want to be that. You know what I mean? So... If you, if you choose to idolize a cannibalistic necrophiliac murderer, then please get yourself help. Genuinely, because you need it. Murderers are not people to idolize, and it's it's a really, really big difference between being interested in the psychology behind the madness and praising it. I hope none of you do this and take into consideration the families and the victims. Now, without further ado, let's talk about Jeffrey Dahmer for a minute. Jeffrey Dahmer was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in 1960. His parents were said to have not given him a lot of attention in his early age of development. If you've taken psychology, you know that this stage of a child's life is critical for love, attention, affection, and support. And other sources claim he had tons of attention growing up, though. So it's really, really hard to tell with things like that. I think things like this end up kind of depending on the aspects each party had on how they did raising Jeffrey. But either way, growing up, Dahmer had kind of a tough household. While Dahmer's dad tried to make everything work, Dahmer's mom was like a whole different ball game. apparently. His mom was a hypochondriac who also suffered from depression really, really badly. She was known to be hella tense and really greedy. She was super needy of affection and attention along with really really argumentative to her husband and their neighbors actually which is crazy to me because I can't like I have neighbors and I have such bad anxiety that like 
I did ask. <laughs> the only neighbor I've ever encountered here. She was so nice and she moved across from us, right? My awkward ass. She talked to me one day and I was like, oh yeah, I work at McDonald's up the road and shit. Because I do, that's my job. And uh, so she was like, oh yeah, I go there all the time. So like my awkward ass got her like a free coupon Left it on her door and, like, wrote a note saying, like, Hey, this is from your neighbors, the Lampsons. Hope you enjoyed, you know, a free meal on us or whatever. And, yeah, after that, she, like, tried talking to me and shit. And every time that I ran into her, I had my son and my boyfriend with me. And I was just, like, in a rush. And honestly, like, when people talk to me that I don't know, I don't expect them to literally be talking to me. Like, I'm, I'm that bitch that's, like... Me? Who? What? Why? Huh? And so, fucking, yeah, I'm extremely, extremely awkward with this. So, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine dead ass even going to your neighbors and starting shit. But later, it was admitted that both parents were basically at fault for not devoting very much time to him. His dad was a research chemist, though, so his job kept him away from the house. And when he was home with the family, Jeffrey's mom was fighting and arguing with him on a regular basis. She even attempted suicide at one point. So she was really, really deep into her head. <clears throat> his mom, honestly, uh, she spent a good portion like, I mean, a lot of people do this with depression. It's it's just something that is a part of it. Sometimes you just don't fucking want to do anything. So she spent a good portion of her time in bed when she wasn't yelling and making a ruckus for the sake of attention. Which was basically another reason that Jeffrey lacked motherly love. Because, you know, how are you going to pay attention to your kids if you're laid up in bed all day? Like, dead ass, I'm grateful as hell hell that I have a kid because if I didn't I probably would be depressed as shit and not have any drive for myself in a better way like genuinely having a kid is what like made me want to be like hey look at yourself evaluate yourself better yourself do shit to you know make you happy to get out of bed yourself for your own reasoning not for anybody else you know what I mean so <clears throat> it it's it's crazy to me that she did choose to spend all of her time in bed but sometimes people can't necessarily fight with things like that i mean i had a really really hard time up until i got medicated to really be a 100% good parent so anyways in elementary school Dahmer was referred to as quiet and timid but one of the school teachers went as far as to say that she had detected signs of childhood abandonment issues really early on. Now, his mother got pregnant again a little bit later on with Jeffrey's brother due to her pregnancy hormones at the time making her mental worse than normal. She got even more distant from Dahmer and his dad working all the time. Dahmer literally was basically alone quite a bit as a kid even though he was shy at school though he did have at least a few friends he could find company in so he did have like a little bit of a normal childhood it's just sad that 
his childhood was in that type of environment and also so neglectful towards like him in just a an emotional and any aspect of a relationship type of way with his parents. Like honestly, I read that his grandmother was one of the only people in his life that would give him hugs. And that's just really, really sad to me. But either way, he, and when you hear the shit that he did, if you don't know, like, realistically, all of his crimes, you'll, you'll be like, I don't give a fuck. Like, he, he done fucked up. Like, he's fucked up. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he might have been a little mopey as a kid and not given enough attention, but shit, like, there are other ways to deal with that, you know? So, in 1966, Joyce, his mom, gave birth to Jeffrey's brother after they relocated. And she allowed Jeff to actually choose his brother's name. So, David Dahmer it was. Now, not only was there a new house in a new place after relocating to Ohio, <laughs> to Ohio Lionel earned his degree and began his new career in Akron, Ohio. And he was, he basically was working towards being an analytical chemist the whole time, but he finally got there. So they moved to Akron, and this is where Jeff began his, you know, kind of odd things more so. So Jeff began his curiosities really early in life, beginning with watching his dad remove animal remains from under their house. However, I, I think we're all a bit curious on things like that when we're kids. Like, I remember, like, picking up a dead mouse and being like, what is this? You know what I mean? So I think things that we don't necessarily understand, of course, we're going to be curious about. However, the more Jeffrey grew, the more his mind wandered. And his dad claimed even that Jeffrey was an odd child when it came to, like, socializing and his, even his interest in, like, the bones and remains of animals. Like, he would crack the bones of the animal remains as a kid. And... His dad said that it was really odd how thrilled it made Jeffrey. I think deep down, his dad had like a feeling, but I also understand that no father or parent wants to give like genuine thought or consideration that their son might be a murderer or a serial killer. I could understand that. Like, you know, it did. Ignorance is most definitely bliss. You could turn a blind eye. It and it would help you. However, it did not help everybody else. So he went from searching for animal remains for bones to catching literal live animals and then dissecting them. Now, this is this is where that line crossed right there. Cause like, you know, I get the whole like little, you know, tidbits of like bone collecting because like I do like I think taxidermy is cool when it's done correctly and like I think you know certain bones or like skeletons and stuff are cool looking 
and crystals and like rocks, things like that. But I would never <laughs> like I'm even a pescatarian, so I could not. I've dead ass devoted my whole life to not killing an animal because like I I couldn't do it. I could kill fish, which is why I eat fish, but that is the only thing that I could probably without wanting to, you know, die immediately after from my soul being ripped out for me. So, yeah, the the dissecting them is where that uh that crossed the line in his childhood. But he would dissect them to try and figure out where their bones were. In 1968, the Dahmer family relocated again to Summit County, Ohio. Their new home was surrounded by like an acre and a half of nothing but trees and woods. This is fucking perfect for somebody developing into a serial killer. Um... This is where Jeffrey would grow, obviously, his weird obsession and hobby further into a darker, eerier view. Jeff's parents' fighting is what he even said in, like, interviews bothered him most growing up. So, to escape the stress of his house when his parents were fighting, when both of them were home, he would go to the shed that was, like, a little bit away from the house. And in the shed is where basically the monster inside him would just grow. So in the shed was Jeff's insect collection, like moths, dragonflies, and then skeletons of like small animals. Sometimes he would put some of the remains in formaldehyde and keep it with the rest of his collection. Now I do know people that do collect things like this. I myself also think that like certain things are cool like you know gift shops they have like you know fake baby sharks and chill well I, I don't know they might not be fake they look kind of real they might be real actually but fucking they have fish like that are preserved and stuff like that that look like kind of cool after they've passed away but they naturally pass away you know what I mean I, at least I hope, I could be just completely oblivious to people killing animals for the benefit of stuffing or making profit off them. I mean, I know that's done with, like, animal tusks and, like, really, really rare animals, I guess, or beautiful type animals, but I can't imagine, like, somebody deadass being like, oh yeah, I'm gonna murk all these squirrels and stuff them and sell them on Etsy. Like, I feel like there's gotta be something mentally wrong there. So, if you guys do taxidermy or have homies that do taxidermy, just, like, check in with them. Be like, hey, where, uh, where'd you get that squirrel at? Is that natural? So, anyway, he put some of the remains in form- formaldehyde and, uh, kept it with this collection. And later down the road, a year or two, Dahmer asked his dad how to bleach the bones of animals. Now, Lionel, he was a chemist and stuff like that, so he was thinking that his son was wanting to follow in his, like, scientific curiosity or a career, basically. And so he showed him how to bleach and preserve animal bones. That same year, though, his mother, Joyce, began spiraling even more, taking more sleeping pills, laxatives, and equinol, which basically cut off any activity 
or time she did with the family, period, um, which she did very few as is, so she was basically gone a little bit. Um, in 1975, though, Dahmer finally, uh, he finally hit a point that a lot of, uh, people know serial killers to hit. Um, if you have a kid that does this, please take them to a therapist or psychiatrist ASAP. I know how hard it is to think that there is something psychologically wrong with your child. You don't want to think that or admit that, but there could be, and uh, you could save them a lot of issues in the future, along with potentially a lot of other people issues in the future, if you catch my drift. So, in 1975, Dahmer decapitated a dog carcass. And he nailed this to a tree, put the skull on top of a stick in the woods behind his house, and then, oh my god, I cannot imagine being this dude. Like, I would fucking, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. I would, like, dead ass probably move schools if if I knew that I had to be in the same proximity as this motherfucker. Uh Uh-uh. So, he invited a friend over... And he was like, what the fuck, dude? And Dahmer basically was like, hey, it's a prank. So, yeah, he, uh, he was a weird motherfucker. From his freshman year to graduation from Revere High School, Jeff was seen as the weird motherfucker he was. He was a black sheep. Now, I'm sure that didn't help with him feeling weird that was something that he strived for in his life and a mental that, you know, kind of also kind of led him, I feel like, to being who he was. He never felt like himself. And by 14, Jeffrey began drinking beer and hard liquor in secrecy throughout the day and at school. At this age, Jeff knew he was a homosexual, but he wasn't accepting of it as he came from a Protestant religious household he knew the judgment would be strong. Plus, this wasn't the way it is now, where you could be, like, loud and proud. This was a time where, like, AIDS was a huge issue, and HIV, and people treated gay people as, like, sick animals, basically. A lot of hate crimes, including murder, happened often then, due to the fear of AIDS and homosexuality being pushed on people. And I know that that's something that still happens, but thank God it doesn't happen nearly as much because it was basically a normal thing to see on the news back in the day. So Jeff had a really, really hard time being himself, period. He claimed to classmates that alcohol was his quote-unquote medicine. And no matter the oddness and lack of social skills, he was a really polite guy who was more smart than he put on paper. After he went through puberty and realized his sexuality, Dahmer had a brief relationship with this other teenage boy. And, like, they didn't have intercourse or anything, but he did solidify, like, his confirmation on his sexuality with them kissing Now, after this encounter is when Dahmer's adolescent fantasies appeared. 
He began fantasizing, though, of dominating and completely controlling a male that was completely submissive to him. A male that was in shape and a complete slave for him. He wanted a man that wouldn't bicker or complain and that would basically do whatever for him and never leave him. However, his fantasies went from fantasizing about males to, weirdly enough, just strictly chiseled in shape, like, torsos of male chests. Later, though, these fantasies, I guess, because the place that he also found happiness and relief was, like, his shed and the things that took place with that, you know, his hobby, he kind of morphed the two together and his sexual fantasies morphed in with dissection. When he was about 16, Dahmer's first full-fledged dark fantasy showed. There was a man that he jogged through the neighborhood by Dahmer's house on a regular basis. Jeff always wondered what the guy's chest looked like, what he was like with his shirt off. Now, I mean, I guess that's a normal thought to have if you're a teenager. But then he wondered what it would be like to have sex with him. But not really in a relationship way. He wanted to attack and make the man submit to him. This was his first attempt as well to attack and make someone submit to him in a violent manner. He went one day and actively pursued doing this. The guy was, you know, normally jogging. You know, I guess you would get a schedule when you're a jogger. I don't know. I've not ever been one. I don't like fucking exercise. So, anyway, this guy, he thought that he was going to be jogging that day. So he went and hid in the bushes with this baseball bat and waited and waited and waited for this dude. But thank God the dude never showed up. So Dahmer just went back home. In high school, Dahmer, while really, really awkward and... (laughs) Sorry, guys. I cannot talk for some portion. I talk way too much in life in order to accurately talk all the time. So in high school, Dahmer, while awkward and weird... He was also a class clown. He was notorious for, like, bleeding like a sheep, which is really weird because I do that, Um, simulating seizures and cerebral palsy. Sometimes for laughs and attention, and other times he would even do it for, like, alcohol and money. Like, he would be outside the store, and he'd be like, hey, will you give me this? And they'd be like, all right, Dahmer, do this, and I'll give you this. And he'd be like, all right. So, in 1977, Dahmer's grades began to fall drastically. His parents hired a tutor in response to this, but that didn't help much at all. When his parents began fighting and stuff like that, they also began going to couples counseling to potentially save their marriage. Dahmer's home life was not really a safe space. He didn't really have one. The one he created was really abnormal and dark, and he got way too submerged in it. The next year, Dahmer's dad would move out. 
after discovering Joyce had had an affair on him, they both decided basically that the marriage was over. Lionel went and stayed in a motel temporarily until he found a place for himself, and Jeff stayed home with his mom. Now, in 1978, he graduated high school about a week before one of his teachers caught him drinking beers on the side of the road. And Jeff told him there were issues at home. Later, his mom would just up and leave for Wisconsin and just left Jeff alone in the house, like, by himself. So, after this, Dahmer sat at the house alone, bored, depressed, and confused, along with stuck with his own thoughts. And his thoughts overpowered him at this point. His dad was still at the motel, and he still had to be absent a lot for work. So he had no idea for a while that Joyce had left with David. So later that year, Joyce would be granted full custody of David along with alimony. And Jeff actually didn't speak to his mom again after she left. Like, ever. Ever again. So during his time alone in the family home... Dahmer had nothing else to do but sit there with himself, and his mind took complete full force of him. On June 19th, Jeff saw this kid hitchhiking on the side of the road. And he pulled over and was like, hey, do you need a ride? Where are you headed? And Stephen Hicks was on his way to a concert trying to find a ride when Jeffrey found him. Jeffrey told him he'd give him a ride, if he went back to his place for a bit for a few drinks before they left. Hicks agreed and went to the Dahmer family house. Dahmer was aroused by the bare-chested teen, but when Hicks began talking about chicks and stuff, Jeff knew before he tried and he passes would be basically automatically refused. This next part of this is most definitely graphic. Honestly, this whole episode is really, really graphic. If you can't deal with descriptions or really, really morbid things, I suggest clicking out to an easier episode. Because um, this one is basically, I would tell you to skip ahead normally, but there's no skip ahead with this case. Like, at all. It's just all morbid. Morbid, 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 one after another. So, this next part, I am warning you, I am about to describe, is gruesome. And a lot of this, I don't even want to say. Like, it took me four days to do the research for this. Not only because this is a lot to cover like I'm gonna have to split this into parts I didn't even know that but there's so much to this case that I'm going to have to take probably a little bit to record it and it's gonna take a few parts for me to cover literally everything but I feel like it's gonna be worth it because there is so much to this guy that blows people's minds it's insane and I've I've watched documentaries on this guy literally since I was 14 and I still to this day am just fucking mind bent on the audacity and just 
just the fact that somebody can do so much. So, anyway, for the sake of covering this efficiently, I'm going to cover this. So, since Jeff couldn't make a pass without rejection, his dark fantasies took hold of him. When Hicks got uncomfortable and wanted to leave, Dahmer panicked and snapped. He grabbed a dumbbell, and the demons with him basically took hold of his ass. Dahmer's biggest thing was his severe development or so severe abandonment issues he developed. When anyone tried to leave or thought they would, he lost it. He struck Hicks in the head with the dumbbell twice and then strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell. Then, not only that, afterwards, he undressed his body, played with him, and touched all over his chest with his hands, and then pleasured himself standing above the body. Later, he dragged his body to the basement, and later that day, Dahmer returned to the basement to dissect Hicks' body like the animals in his fucking shed. And then a few days later, he buried his remains in this shallow grave in his backyard. After a few weeks passed, he dug up his remains and stripped the flesh from his bones. He then dissolved his flesh in acid and then flushed the sludge down the toilet. But not only that, he was not even satisfied there. He crushed the bones and then scattered them throughout his backyard. So, there was, like, nothing left of this kid. Six weeks after the gruesome murder is when Dahmer's dad returned to the house with his fiancée to find Dahmer's mom was gone. So, Jeffrey was alone in the house for a minute. After his first murder and his dad's return, Dahmer began to take the steps to change himself, though, to make his dad happy, and so he could possibly feel normal and live a normal, heterosexual, sin-free life, for the most part. He enrolled in college, and he even began going to Ohio State University for a business major. So not only did he, like, pursue this, he actively went out and did it. Jeff's grades, though, began to fall quickly after the start of school, with the only class him even doing remotely good in being riflery, sadly enough. His alcoholism began increasing during the semester at OSU as well. The main reason for his failing grades and low GPA, actually. So Dahmer's dorm was said to have been completely covered in booze and bottles, according to his dad. Jeff's dad paid in advance for a second semester for Jeff, but that money went to complete waste after Jeff only spent like three months in college and then dropped out. After he dropped out, though, Jeff's dad pushed and urged Jeff to go into the military to teach himself some discipline and life principles that he was obviously lacking. In 1979, Jeff joined the Army doing basic training in Anniston, Alabama. And then he also trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas. 
like in any other academic setting, though, Dahmer had this issue with completely listening. He, even on one occasion, got his entire platoon in trouble and disciplined, which resulted in them beating the shit out of him. So he got into trouble many times while it's <laughs> San Antonio for his drinking. But while he struggled in boot camp and on base with recruits, he actually did pretty decent, if not a little better than average as a soldier. In June of 1979, Jeff was deployed to Germany and he was a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, and 8th Infantry Division. Two years later, Dahmer would be honorably discharged from the military, also for his drinking and alcohol abuse. But his superiors didn't see any issues in the field that would make him think he was like this sociopath or like serial killer or you know, something like that, they thought that he would be completely fine in society. So Dahmer was really, really good at manipulation. And while many people did see him as weird, not many people would look at, like, his small stature and even see serial killer or danger even. He was, like, 180 pounds and, like, 6 feet tall. So he was pretty tall and lanky, but, you know, built. His stature, though, was like this weird, shy, nerdy dude. So his whole life, it was hard to perceive the awkward dude as any more than just like shy and odd. After his discharge, he was sent for a debriefing in South Carolina where the army would provide him this plane ticket to basically anywhere in the world that he wanted to go. Jeff didn't want to go home, though, to disappoint his dad. So he decided to go to Miami instead. Miami was hot unlike his home and he also wanted to feel his independence and to live on his own. Jeff got a job at a restaurant there. He resided in a motel nearby but like it ruined most things in his life alcoholism lost him his job and a place at the motel. Since he failed to succeed in Florida Dahmer called and asked to come home and returned home to Ohio. There, Jeff lived with his dad and stepmom at the family house, again, doing chores and helping out to keep busy while he looked for a job. Only two weeks later, his heavy drinking led him to getting his first arrest for being drunk and disorderly. That was it. But he was given 10 days jail sentence and a $60 fine. After this event with his son, Lionel had had basically enough of the fucking drinking, and he tried to get Jeff to stop drinking. Now, Lionel attempted and attempted and attempted to steer his son in a straight path, but this obviously failed, and he couldn't do anything else, so he sent Jeff to Wisconsin to live with his grandma and hopefully find some help and stability with her. Now, at first, things looked to be improving with Jeff at his grandmother's. He went to church with her regularly, he did chores for her, followed her rules, and he was actively looking for a job he was still drinking and smoking but like not under his grandmother's roof like in plain view and shit now in 1982 Dahmer also got a job as a phlebotomist at the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center 
And he actually did well at this job staying for 10 months before he was laid off. Like, he wasn't even fired. Shortly before he was laid off, Jeff got in trouble with the law for indecent exposure. I don't know if he was, like, genuinely simply peeing, but the incident was, like, he went to this monument or something like that, and 25 people were there, including, like, kids and women, and they all witnessed him exposing himself, and he was fined 50 bucks plus court costs, and he got convicted, so it was also on his record. After his incident, he was unemployed, living off his grandma for two years before getting a job again. And in 1985, Dahmer got a job at a chocolate factory in Milwaukee. It was while working here, an incident would reignite Dahmer's desires. One day, Dahmer went to the library, and he was met by this stranger who asked him to perform oral sex on him. Now, Dahmer did say no to the stranger's request, but it played in his head over and over and over again. And this was when the spark ignited in Dahmer and his urges again became hunts for prey and violence and murder on a realistic level. Dahmer, at this point, saw this mannequin at the mall and he obtained it. After staying overnight in the store all night, he began to use this mannequin in secrecy at his grandmother's to try and get a release from his desires, but eventually his grandma did find the mannequin, and Dahmer didn't see the mannequin torso as realistic enough anyways. He couldn't feel their stomachs or the heat from their body or hear their breath or heartbeat. And this is what Dahmer was satisfied by most. Having a real-life human to just lay there like an object to please him. Self-pleasuring with a mannequin, I'm sure, didn't help this mental development unfold with his warped view of people. His grandmother made him get rid of his plastic lover, obviously, after discovering it. Which sent Dahmer into, like, this fucking panic, but he did keep it out. After the mannequin was gone, Jeffrey had to meet his needs somehow. While living with his grandmother, Jeff regularly attended, in secrecy, like, obviously, bathhouses for sexual release. And, uh, his sexual release obviously wasn't normal. Uh, Every encounter left him angry or agitated when or if another person even moved during the acts. After the frustration built, Dahmer came up with this alternative system that worked for him. In June of 1986, Jeffrey began meeting partners at the bathhouses in Milwaukee. He would take him, or take his victims, to his grandmother's as he would be gone for, you know, hours at a time, you know, out shopping or running errands, or... You know, she would just leave him be in the basement with his company or himself. And he would give the men a drink laced with sleeping pills, wait for them to fall asleep, and then he would perform sexual acts on them. He even lied to doctors to continue, like, obtaining pills for a while to, like, last him. 
so that he could do this for a, a bit. After 12 incidents happened at the bathhouse with Dahmer, though, the bathhouse revoked his membership. So he began to go to hotels and, like, hotel bars, and he would get a hotel room to continue this. Shortly after his membership was taken away, and this is so fucked up, Jeff saw this funeral for an 18-year-old boy in, like, the newspaper, and he drew up a plan to steal the corpse of this kid's body and take it home. But when he attempted to dig up the body, he said the only thing that stopped him was the soil was too hard to break through. So he gave up and went home. That's fucking sick, dude. Could you fucking imagine being the family of that? Uh Uh-uh. I would be destroyed. On September 8th, 1986, Dahmer was arrested for pleasuring himself, literally, in front of two 12-year-old boys. He tried to claim he was just urinating and they missaw the situation. But he finally came forward with the truth. He was charged with disorderly conduct and was given a year of probation the next year for the incident, along with having to undergo counseling. They really should have done more, I feel like, because two months later after this was when his first killing happened in a long time. And basically from this one so forth would begin his spree of killings. On November 2nd, Dahmer, still living with his grandma, was still meeting guys at bars and going out to hotels. On this day, Jeff went to a bar and met this dude from Michigan. His name was Steven Tuomi, and Dahmer claimed that his intent with this kid wasn't to harm him or murder him. He just wanted to, like, drug and have sex with him. He didn't know what happened is what he claimed. I don't know if that's the case. This is the only time that Dahmer has claimed this with the victim, I believe. Um, so I do believe he might be telling the genuine truth because when he came forward, he came forward with all the information. Like he knew that he was done. He, he knew that there was no hope of him getting out of it after they found so fucking much. So he just went in and was like, this is what I did. This is how many victims I have. This is, you know, what it was. Then psychiatrists and all those other people kept coming in and evaluating him. That's how we know who he is now. But he said that he didn't know what happened. He started up a conversation with Tuomi and persuaded him to go back to his hotel room with him. The next morning, Dahmer said he truly didn't remember what happened. He woke up to Tuomi lying underneath him with his chest just crushed in black and blue. Blood was coming from the corner of Stephen's mouth, and Jeff's hands were fucked up. He, he even couldn't believe what happened. Dahmer bought a big suitcase, and he put Stephen's body in it to bring home to his grandma's. A week later, he severed the head and decapitated and dismembered the corpse. He then deboned the body, and basically cut the bits into small pieces and then put it in bags and beat it with a sledgehammer. 
He then just threw his body in the trash and carried on with his life. He kept the head as a keepsake, though, and <clears throat> later he attempted to retain the skull to use for... Oh, hang in there, guys. It's, oh, this is rough. For sexual purposes, but he destroyed the skull and the solution he used. Do you still find him cute? Do you? To the ones out there, like, obsessing because of an actor's portrayal? Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Don't fucking do it. I don't give a fuck. You can obsess over Evan Peters as much as you motherfuckers want, but pick a different character, please. After him, Dahmer's monster was really basically fully unleashed. He began finding victims, and I say victims now, because before to all me, Dahmer just meant to drug and rape and control. Now, while going off the edge with his emotions, you know, did lead to murder, the whole intent itself in the plan didn't involve murder. Now, murder was part of the fantasy, too. Now, that's where I'm going to end off with this episode. This is going to be the part one. I will release part two tomorrow. And I'm sorry that I have to make this into parts. It's just, it's so fucking much. And it is, it's so much to cover, guys. And it's so hard on my mental. Ah! But... Yeah, you guys can take as much time as you need to hear all of this. If you don't even want to, like, hear all of it, I understand. Like, some of this shit can get to you after hearing it for a bit. So, but I will say it's jaw-dropping shit. It really is. So, if you're intrigued to hear everything that this fucking dude did... Stay tuned, dudes. <laughs> if not, carry on with your lives. Do what you gotta do. Um, after this, I'm fucking cleansing my brain for like a week. Um, with some positive shit. We're gonna focus on positive shit after this season, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, my mental's already warped from like covering that one portion for this episode thank you for listening to the ones that listened and hung in there i i really really loved researching this episode i was fucking deep dived into it just oh it's it's so much but it's so interesting at the same time Anyway, don't pick him as an idol. I don't give a fuck how interesting it is. You can have an interest in, like, you know, his mental and, like, how the human could possibly do this. But don't, yeah, don't don't be like, hey, that's dope, you know? Because it's not. It's not dope. Killing people's not dope. None of this is dope. Honestly, I don't even recommend getting into fucking BDSM anymore. Just because, like, that shit leads to some shit. Honestly, I just, I'm not, 
I'm not going to hate on anybody for doing it. I was part of the community. But there's a reason that certain people can ruin it. So you you got to be careful with who you're going home with, what you're doing with people, how far you're letting people go with certain things. Sometimes people are control freaks. And they can be control freaks in more than a verbal way. So, stay safe out there. Be smart. Look out for fucking kids killing dogs. Take those little monsters to get evaluated. And still love them. Still love them, because that's going to help too. But fuck, please get them evaluated. Um, Get... You know, honestly, I feel like we all should be evaluated. Check yourself out. Get to know yourself. Get to know what you need, what you don't need, what you got too much of, what you don't got enough of. Check it all out. Um, Thank you. And I will cover the next episode tomorrow. Stay tuned. And I am out. Goodbye. All right, my weird little humans. If you like this episode, give us your feedback. Let us know what your thoughts are on our show. And you can find more exciting weirdness like this on Spotify. And don't forget, you guys, that you can set an appointment or send inquiries through our website, mindintheskoom.wixsite.com or on Instagram. We're on there at mindintheskoom. That is... Again, mindinthescoom.wixsite.com. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time, and I hope you guys have a great night as always. Thank you so much. Bye!